Welcome to 30 Minutes to Wealth, the show that teaches you how to build wealth through real estate. Our company, ProFunds Mortgages, has assisted real estate investors in achieving wealth for over two decades. Over the next 30 minutes, we're going to share some of our key strategies in real estate with you. Right here on 30 Minutes to Wealth. We're here with our guest, Dan Warren. Dan, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So you've got such an interesting story that we're going to kind of dig into today. And so you're essentially retired. You work about four hours a week, which is absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. At 36. Yeah, at 36. So we're we're hoping you can share some secrets with us today about how you did this. And um, this all kind of stemmed from you saving your money from working your job at Loblaws. So tell us about, you know, a little bit about the story behind this. Like what prompted you to start saving at such a young age? Yeah, basically it's how I've been my whole life, you know. I've just been, even when I was a kid, saved money. Uh, I didn't know what I was Did you saving. have a newspaper route? No. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't actually <laughs> care for working, to tell you the truth. I didn't work until I was interesting. 18. Yeah, it's interesting. But I always wanted to save my money. I didn't know what I was saving it for, though. But, uh, but yeah, when I got the job at 18, I just started saving and, um, you know, I lived at home and, uh, was did your able- parents instill this in you? Like save your money, save your no, money. It, no, it's just the way it worked out wow. I, innately. I guess you were I gifted with that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so I did that and, uh, just kept saving until I was 25 and yeah. And, and so at 25, that's when you bought your first property. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you had a full-time job. Yeah, exactly. Since you were 18, you, you were full-time. I worked part-time as well. But okay. uh, yeah. You put away everything. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. So tell us about the story, how you were able to acquire your first property then. So basically, I bought my first like single-family home that I lived in. Um, I bought that when I was 25, put 25% down. And that was a substantial that's, amount of money for me. You know, working at the grocery store, right? So yeah. uh, we were able to do it. And uh, so I did that. And yeah, and then I bought my first rental property after that. Yeah, I put 5% down on that one. And that was a duplex. And I bought mm-hmm. that actually, uh, strangely enough, I didn't know anything about real estate. Knew nothing. So uh, my aunt was selling a duplex. And I just called her up and said, oh, I'll buy it. So I bought it. So what inspired that thought or triggered Yeah, what triggered It just sounded interesting because it's like, oh, this is a way to make money, right? So so I just decided to do that. And uh, yeah, and uh, so it it worked out. It was actually a good deal and we made money, uh, made some cash flow every month. But uh, I learned the process after that as to how to make money, right? So So was anyone in your family involved in real estate already? Like what made you kind of think to gravitate towards real estate as an investment direction? Well, um, I have an uncle that used to do it, but I never really thought about it back then. Like I never really thought about, uh, he never really talked about what he did. And so, um, so it was just kind of one of those things that just kind of happened. And, uh, well, we and, and the it. incredible thing is now you're retired mm-hmm. at 36. And, I'm 39 now, but... Oh, okay. So you were retired at 36. Yeah. And I mean, that's everyone's dream. They hope yeah. they could do this at 55. Mm-hmm. For my, that's incredible. Yeah. So so you bought your first property. Um, that was your single family home. You lived in it. Then you bought this duplex. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you roll into owning like 12, 13 properties? Like, how did you manage that? Well, what happened was uh, basically I had sold those two initial properties and then um, I bought another duplex, paid that off. Then we got a line of credit on it 
mm-hmm. uh, that duplex. And then I started buying properties in 2012. Mm-hmm. And that uh, was after the um, St. Patrick's Day riot in, ah. in, by Fanshawe College in London. This is a very interesting yes. story. And I don't want to dwell on it too much, but yeah. it's interesting how unfortunate circumstances are mm-hmm. sometimes an opportunity right. to acquire real estate. And so, so what happened there? When you, you first told me the story, yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. But, and I can't believe the prices that you, you, you achieved there. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. Um, basically just, uh, had a big riot there. So, so this is student rental yeah, area. The, the prime student rental area. And, and they had a big riot. That's right. And, uh, um, like how big was that? That'd be pretty significant. <laughs> well, yeah, it was significant. Yeah. Uh, from what I, she uh, was probably there. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I was there for yeah, sure. From what I hear, the, um, it was, uh, on the news in Berlin. So. Whoa. Yeah, so it was pretty big. Wow. So, uh, but prices went down 25% and these houses were only 15 years old. So to, we're all, were the houses owned by investors, obviously. Yep. The and they just bailed investors. out of there because they couldn't stand the stress of all the. Well, a lot of people get very fearful when something like that happens, right? Yeah. Thinking that, yeah. you know, everything's going to plummet and they, they probably don't want to be involved. But I guess you saw that as a really awesome opportunity to come in and acquire a bunch of real estate. Yeah, exactly. Like everybody was afraid. Like I know my friends and family were afraid for me, you know, getting into this. And uh, but we bought three in the first six months. And then, you know, over a three year period, we bought nine and um wow that's when i so just just uh for my own curiosity what were they selling for before this big riot happened like what were the values there well sadly i did look at the numbers of the people that were selling them to me so these guys were paying 220 225 for these properties and i was picking them up for 170 180 thousand dollars and these properties like i said they were only 15 years old. So it was wow. an amazing deal. And the rents were high. You know, at that time, the rents were, you know, 2250 And yes. uh, that's, that's, that's great money. Yeah. Uh, so right you saw that hop. opportunity there, right? That yeah. I think a lot of people were maybe too afraid to see. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Uh, that's amazing. Well, I would have jumped all over that myself. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, wish yeah. I knew about yeah, it. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Kept it a secret. Yeah. Well, that's wise. So, so you actually acquired then a good portion of your income properties, um, and the majority of them are student rentals. Oh, yes, almost all of them are. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And how come you gravitate towards student rentals as opposed to you know family rentals that type of thing? I was initially afraid of it, but then I decided because of the pricing I'd do it, and so the cash flow drew me in. Like the cash flow is is more than any other residential real estate that like I can think of. So yeah, it was the cash flow. Yeah. Awesome. And we're going to go through an example um, of one of those in a little bit as well yes. just to give everybody an idea of the types of returns that you know we can be making off of these student rentals because it really is um, a, a really great way to diversify your portfolio and add some additional cash flow. Now, there. I mean, and, and there is, you do make extra money, granted, on these income properties, but there isn't there quite a bit more work, like look what happened with the riots. Like everybody affiliates student rentals with, oh my gosh, I can't take, you know, they're going to smash in the walls. They don't want to go down that path. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what did you do and, and to manage all of that or mitigate any of that in the process? Tenant selection is very important. Uh, making sure that things don't get out of control. Yeah. I keep a good eye on my properties. So So do you manage your properties? Yeah. Yeah, I outsource almost everything, but I, I do uh, manage it. So, okay. So the, the cash flow that you're getting from these properties, mm-hmm. you outsource all the 
you do the lawn maintenance and, and all of that. So that's all outsourced? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, even my bookkeeping now is outsourced. So Wow. Um, so basically you interview your tenants. Yeah. Make sure the best tenants that you could possibly get. More it's it, and I think I know how I am when I rent my units out. It's a lot of intuition. It's a mm. gut. You know, when you meet someone, you go, mm, not sure about that one. Um, and it makes it uh, makes it challenging, though, specifically with students, because some of them could like destroy things. <laughs> and, yeah. and then uh, so do you have the parents guarantee the, the leases yes. as well? Yep. They guarantee the lease, just the individual rent, not right. for all of it. Right. But, uh, but yeah, they guarantee it. So, I mean, the money that their parents have saved, they're using that money to pay the rent. People think it's a little bit uncertain, but. Well, specifically, I remember when Jordan was in university and, um, you know, we had to guarantee everything, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. you know, if anything happened, any damages, damages, deposits, and all things like that, that was all guaranteed by us, right? Yeah. So I think ultimately at the end of the day with a student rental, which I've never ventured down that path in all the real estate I've done over the years, mm -hmm. I've never actually done that yet. So maybe I'm going to start doing something like that. Give it a shot. Yep. Give it a shot. See um, if they I mean, geez, I'm not retired yet. <laughs> you are. How'd that happen? So uh, that's incredible. Yeah. And I think a lot of people want to know a little bit more of, of, you know, the strategy that you had in place because acquiring 13 properties is amazing. Yes. And, um, you know, like, so we know that your first few properties you, you saved to purchase those. So for all your other purchases, um, were you just basically use, utilizing the equity or, you know, the proceeds of the sale from your other real estate to purchase? Or how did you, how did you coordinate all that? All of the above. <laughs> so we used any strategy that we possibly could in order to, because of the circumstance, the value that was there, mm -hmm. we wanted to just buy as much as, much as we as possibly could. could. Renovated the first property and just kept getting equity out mm -hmm. and uh, just kept moving that equity forward into the next one. And, uh, but yes, and as well, we used the cash flow to buy more as well. And I, you know, I was driving around in my 19 year old car in order to make this happen. So, right. Uh, so you weren't spending and no. enjoying life quite yet. <laughs> That's you right. Were, you were really roughing it until you actually got to the level that you wanted to be at. Now, did you find it challenging to obtain financing yeah, on these properties? Because that's another major obstacle for people that want to, you know, acquire a larger portfolio of real mm -hmm. estate. Yeah, I would say that's the biggest concern right now is financing. You have to go to alternative lenders now. Or a mortgage broker that can handle these things for you. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about it and you that's, leave it in the expert's hands. That's exactly right. Right? Yeah, so, you're right there. <laughs> if you met me that long ago, I would have been able to handle that for that's you. Right. So unfortunately we didn't, but you still made it there, which is great. And and you are right. In, in student rentals, uh, you're limited to the loan to value, specifically if they're already a student rental. So if you're purchasing a property that is a student rental, it is so challenging to get that financing put together. So the maximum we're looking at is, you know, 65% um, verifiable income. It's difficult, right? So you, it, most institutions really don't want to do it. Actually, I'd say there might be only maybe one or two I can think of that might just slide it through. Uh, and and that's that's a challenge there. So with your portfolio, let's talk first about what you acquired, and then I'll talk about what we can offer and maybe some alternatives of how assisting you in 
taking extracting some of that humongous equity you have in in your buildings and your properties. Uh, originally, when we started, uh, it was not too bad. They allowed us to do regular bank financing on it. And did they know it was a student rental? Yep, I I told them every single one that. And what uh, year was this? <laughs> 2012. Yeah, and I, yeah. the whole the way along, I would tell everybody that these were student properties, so that you know everybody was comfortable with the situation, and they knew mm-hmm. my portfolio, and they were going to be happy. I wanted to make them happy too, right? Right. I, right wanted a relationship with them. So that uh, was good. And yes. then they started turning me down. But people will find that uh, when they are investing, uh, that they're going to get turned down after a period of time because the bank is only going to want to take so much risk. Right. Well, they're only allowing actually most institutions only want to see maximum five properties under one individual's name. Right. Yeah. So when you you worked yourself up to 12 properties, so I, I am assuming different institutions were handling these. We started going to um, some alternative lenders, uh, credit unions and things like that. Yep. Credit unions and some lenders that charge a little bit higher on the interest rate, but uh, not was, loan sharks, but just, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, upwards of six uh, percent. Um, well, geez, that's still great. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. For private money yeah. or alternative money, six percent is very good. Yeah, it's very good. So I can't complain. It's just it's hard when I was getting 3% with the others. But yes. uh, but you know, like you said, you don't want to get hung up in, with that idea of not spending that money because it was worth uh, buying the properties and, and, and yeah, the yeah, cash flow sure. was good. Well, so. that's, a, that's a big thing. A lot of people, you know, crippled with fear when they see a higher interest rate and they're not willing to take that leap and get into this industry um, or or take that leap and purchase that property. Like, for example, with you, I was going to say that you have so much equity sitting in there. You know, how much you've, you've refinanced or financed these properties, you've only got 65% financing really on the most part, right? Yeah, like usually they want at least 25% down. Okay. Um, and that's ever changing depending on the mood. <laughs> but the uh, mood. yeah, yes. <laughs> so it can, yeah, it can be difficult. But if they didn't uh, sleep the night before, your, yeah, your, that's your right. approval or decline will depend yeah. on that. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. True. So yeah, so there's equity that's trapped and uh, it's unfortunate, but you know, the rules change all the time. So you never know what can happen. They might ease up a bit on us, but. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, like I was saying earlier, I do know that it's very challenging. We have a lot of our clients that come to us for, for for student rental financing, we're able to acquire that for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's alternative lending. Um, interest rates might be a little more, the loan to the value of the real estate might be a little little uh, lower, uh, but ultimately we can get it done for them. And at the end of the day, um, worst case scenario is private money. It's always there for you. So whether you have equity and you want to tap into that equity, um, you're able to borrow private money as a second mortgage, or if you want to close on something really quickly, and this is for future knowledge for you, for, you know, you can come to us anytime. We, we can actually get you, uh, private money financing and close within three days. So if you like, let's say you come across a deal and there's a huge opportunity. And you want to be really competitive in your offer, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it's flexible. It's quick. Yes. And uh, I mean, yeah, you're paying a little bit more. It, it's really meant almost as like a bridge type of financing. Right. So it's not something that you want to hold long term. But say you find a property, you pick it up, you want to do a renovation, you get some private money in place. We can actually um, cross collateralize, meaning that we can actually secure 
that your subject property that you're purchasing with another piece of real estate as well okay. and offer more security to the investor that's lending the money and th- therefore be able to offer you um, a larger loan. So you can Maybe actually come in with- 100%. Yeah, it could be over 100% on that individual property um, because the extra security is there, then the numbers all work out and you can therefore come in with, you know, maybe all of your money, um, no, no money down, rental costs, you can go in, do that renovation and then, you know, either flip it or refinance and hold. Um, So there's lots of different strategies with private money that I feel like a lot of people aren't necessarily aware of, but it's definitely there as um, kind of that plan C. Yes. um, If if you're, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it would have been good if I had to come here a month ago. (laughs) Ah, Really? (laughs) Because the one that I just acquired, um, it needed um, some renovation and, but we got it extremely under market value. That would have been a perfect one. So so, in the future. Yeah. Yeah, So that's a a perfect example of why Mm -hmm. private money would really come into play here. Because if you're paying under market, if you go to the institution today, it's the purchase price or the appraised value, whichever is less that you're going to get financing on right? Where if you came in with private money, if the appraised value came in at, let's say, hypothetically 300,000 and you're paying 190, we would lend on the 300 and we would give you 75% of the 300. So now your down payment is much less. So now you go in, you renovate, you do whatever you have to do to stabilize that asset. And then we go back to the bank and refinance. And at that point in time, then you can pretty much know that you're in maybe with nothing or a lot of your down payment came back to you. Now you've got a nice mortgage fix. You know, you can let it ride for the term of the mortgage. So that's a really great strategy. We do this a lot. Um, again, though, interest rates are anywhere between 8 and 10% on a first mortgage. So that can't uh, deter you because the opportunities that you have are so wide when you open that door. And people say, oh, no, I'm not paying that. I can't pay private money. You know, I'm paying three, 3%. Forget it. But I borrow private money all the time. Yeah, you're just working into the deal. Absolutely. If the deal's worth it. Yes. I mean, you have to do your numbers. If you're going to make $100,000 in a year, it's worth paying that 10%. Absolutely. Right? So It'd be worth paying 20%. Yeah. I don't care. Just put it on the credit card. <laughs> Similar to that, right? Yeah. So we're going to dive a little bit into one of your examples, actually, just to give the viewers an understanding. Um, you know, if you have a student rental, what kind of um, cash flow you can generate? So um, now, is this this is one of uh, this is a student rental that you have right now? Um, yeah. It, okay. So great. So these are the rough numbers. So the purchase price was two hundred and thirty thousand dollars, and you did a sixty-five thousand dollar renovation. Um, so your your total monthly income that you're generating from this property is around three thousand three hundred dollars. With mortgages and expenses, you're paying around um, twenty one hundred dollars. So your net cash flow, um, which is basically your total income minus all of your expenses, is twelve hundred dollars a month. So you know that's a fantastic example of you know being able to see how you can acquire additional income from that's just one property. And then you multiply yeah, it. Like if we look at a, you know, for examples, we multiply that by 13 properties, that's $15,000 a month in net cash flow. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And those deals are still out there. So it's not like this is an example of stuff that people can't do now. Like that was last year, but you can acquire those properties. You might have to pay 250 for it, but your renovation costs will be less because of the nature of the way that that property was. It needed just to get totally redone. So this is something that people can actually do right now. Mm -hmm. And it's 
it's amazing cash flow. I know. And and your story is incredible. Like literally, like you made um average income. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now you're actually retired and you did that at 36 years old. I mean, my gosh, mm-hmm. that's just a, an amazing situation. Yeah. So tell us like, how is that? I mean, obviously it's drastically changed your life. Like tell us a little bit about what that's like for you now. What is your daily, you know, routine look like? It's pretty good. It's pretty relaxed. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, especially in the summer, it's so laid back. There's, you know, the students are usually off working and doing whatever they want. Uh, so there's not much going on in the summer. Uh, so yeah, most of the time I just visit with friends, uh, network. I mean, That's all it, enabling it, you to do that. Yeah, it's, 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 and eventually I think I'm going to work myself out of the business completely. But right now I, I still like that. Well, just uh, just uh, hand it off to a manager, but I'm just not ready. I see. So right now you're still hands on yeah. managing your tenants, managing your your portfolio, right. but eventually you kind of want to hand that off. So are you going to expand? Uh, well, you said you just. Did- closed on another property. That's right. So I, I kept saying that I wasn't going to buy more, but of course I'm going to buy more, right? So once you get that bug, I'm telling you, it, it doesn't go away. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, if, if the deals are there, like I'm not going to overpay, but if the deals are there, I'm going to, I'm going to acquire more. So good for you. Well, that's amazing. So I think for those that are kind of interested in, in looking to do this as well, some kind of take home um, points is one, look for um, opportunistic scenarios, kind of like Dan did with the location in London. Yeah. You don't necessarily think you want to invest there, but a, a great opportunity presents itself. Um, and I think another key take home would be, um, you know, be prepared to leverage existing equity in your real estate if you want to get ahead. And as well, be prepared to um, look at alternative financing sources because that's really going to be the key in in growing your your portfolio. Absolutely. So you're not being restricted. That's right. Mm -hmm. Well, I think our 30 minutes are up. Yeah, it always goes by so quickly. It does. We could (laughs) stay here for a lot longer and talk about this. Well, thank you so much, Dan, for coming on and and sharing your story with us. Um, If if anyone is interested in, you know, looking to see how they can get started in this or are looking for financing from one of their investment properties, you can contact us at profunds.ca. 30 minutes are up. Go create wealth. Any and all of the opinions expressed by guests on this program were theirs alone and did not necessarily reflect those of the network, the producers, or the host. Please consult a professional advisor before making any investment decisions.